Hello, and welcome to the Financial Planning Experience, where we give you best practices to manage your financial life. My name is Jason Marabella, and I'm here with David Winchell. And today we're going to talk about the Henfruit Code of Behavior. Um, this code is the backbone of everything that we do at Henfruit. It's the basis for our financial planning process. Um, it drives our the, the way that we invest our clients' money and everything else we do. The intention is to give you an idea of our value system and our perspective on how we think the best way is to think about your financial life and the behaviors that you should have that are going to give you the best opportunity at success. The first one is give your financial life the priority it deserves. In our view, one of the main reasons people struggle with money is because they're unwilling to give their financial life the priority it deserves. Successful people spend a lot more time than unsuccessful people working on their finances. Money can't manage itself. Most don't have a plan and a system for making decisions. People are either too busy and procrastinate or convince themselves it's not necessary. As a result, spending decisions are determined by how it makes them feel in the moment without regard for how it's impacting the future. We require all of our clients to make time for their finances, commit to the planning process, and do the work necessary to reach their goals. Everybody has time in their life that they can find to work on, to work on their finances, whether it be you know, a, a mobile game that you play or a sporting event that you watch or, you know, everybody has 30 to 60 minutes a week or even every two weeks to create some intention around their financial life and, and their goals. So when we, when we hear of, I don't have time or, or we see somebody that's, that's not doing the things in our planning process that they need to be doing, that's, we don't like to see that. We like to, we like to have people that are engaged and that really want that, that our interests are aligned, that really want to, to improve and that are willing to make this a priority. Yeah. That priority is the main word. You have to make it a priority, you know, just like people that are religious, they make it a priority to go to church. I'm a Christian and I haven't been going to church, so my priorities are kind of out of whack right now. But in general, you need to make your financial life a priority or else it'll just kind of unravel like uh, so many things do when you don't make them a priority. You got to make your marriage a priority by, you know, putting time and effort into your marriage, which is taking your spouse out to dinner once a month or once a week whatever. Yeah, those, those are great examples. And they're both examples of things that are central in people's lives. I think part of the problem is, is that finances hasn't, at least from a, at a society level, has not been grouped with those type of things, but the importance of it is in that group. You know, it, it drives, you know, our, our successes, it drives what our life is going to be like tomorrow. And, you know, we want, we want people to understand that how, how central this is to, to your success and your happiness long-term. Number two, don't spend beyond your means. Money doesn't, we don't believe that money buys happiness necessarily, but it does buy financial freedom and you'll never get there by spending more than you bring in. And I've seen in my career that spending above your means um, is the root of most financial stress. If you can think about 
you know, maybe times in your life where you're taking on debt and you're spending more than you make and, you know, things seem out of control. It's, it, it sucks. You know, just, there's no better way to say it. Some people go so far as losing sleep and there's just a lot of ways that financial stress, stress impacts your life and happiness. And one of the ways that you can do that other than, other than having a plan and being more intentional is just making it a priority spend under your means. We would say that, you know, try to build a lifestyle that's around 80% of what you bring in. And I know that's not necessarily viable for everybody, but that should be the target. It does two things. One is it gives you the ability to save around 20% of your income, which is, is the range that we like to see. But it also gives you a buffer. Things, if, uh, big expenses come up or, you know, you spend more money one month. You've got that buffer so that you don't have to put money on the credit card. You know, the, really the only thing that happens is you might, you might have to make some adjustments with, you know, saving your emergency fund or, or in your savings account. But to target that, that 80% of your income chart, or design that lifestyle around 80% of your income, and that'll alleviate a lot of those problems. Understanding that life does not get better in a straight line. You know, you're going to have setbacks. Uh, you're going to have wins, you're going to have losses and design your life accordingly. And I think that 80-20 rule is important. We've actually, we have clients that, that do more than 20. People that are very aggressive about wanting to achieve financial independence, it takes more than 20%. And I know for some people that seems weird. My personal experience, before I started Henfruit, for the four years before, from, 19, or from 2011 to 2014, I lived on 50% of my income and I was able to do that for a variety of reasons. And I know that it's not, you know, that may not be viable for everybody, but I made the, the concessions in the short term so that I could do something big in the long term. So just don't, don't spend beyond your means is, is a big one. Be aware and intentional about how money flows in and out of your life. This is a big one. So successful people have a budget. They understand their internal motivations for the decisions they make. The key to success, we think, is adopting a cash flow plan that guides those financial decisions on a day-to-day -day basis that are in line with what you want to accomplish. And we have our own ideas about the best way to do this, which is a budget. However, we don't think traditional budgeting methods really are, we think that they can often lead to a sense of frustration and can be overwhelming for a lot of people. So we have a different approach to budgeting. We advocate a three-bucket budgeting system. Each of the three buckets hold a specific type of money, and each type of money has a specific use or purpose. And while the uses are all different, all three buckets are interrelated. So to give you an idea, bucket one holds the money that either has been spent or you have agreed to spend at some point in the past. Bucket two is the money that will be spent in the next seven days. And then bucket three is for money that will be spent for future goals. So we get away from thinking about it in terms of individual categories and looking backwards and micromanaging our financial life. And we keep it at a high level so that you can get yourself to the point that once it's set up and tweaked based on your individual priorities and circumstances, it kind of goes on autopilot and detailed tracking of your expenses is not required. So it's a process of, of training you 
to cave well um, on a consistent basis, but it makes it so that's not difficult to do. It, so it sets it up as a semi-automatic budget where it's it makes it more automatic and you kind of tweak it as you go along. That's exactly. what I think of it as. So number four, avoid debt. You can't be wealthy if you owe money. And you should strive to be anonymously wealthy rather than deceptively poor. What that means is most millionaires, you don't know that they're millionaires. They don't buy it. They don't own fancy cars. They don't own fancy houses, big houses, or more house than they need versus deceptively poor. And this is, you don't have a lot of money, but you you know you buy the fancy car, you buy too much house, but you have no you have no savings and you have no uh, you're you're struggling on a month to month basis to pay for these these expensive homes or expensive cars. Big hat, we, no cattle. <laughs> yeah, big hat, no cattle. So we we like our clients, and we we really. Uh, talk about this a lot is don't put yourself in a situation where you're buying assets that you have to finance and that makes that that are not in line with your current financial situation and save money once you do have that money don't spend it frivolously on things that you don't need or that you know you're you're trying to keep up with your neighbor uh, the other thing is don't normalize revolving credit card balances and if you can afford to pay cash for something, then you can't, if you can't afford to pay cash for something, then you can't afford it. The goal is always to have zero credit card debt and definitely don't use them to sustain lifestyle expenses. We also don't advocate a four plus year, what, what I call auto mortgage. I know there's a lot of options available for, for people to finance cars, you know, four five, six, and even seven years. You know, that's ridiculous. If you can't, <laughs> If you can't pay off your car in two or three years or, or pay cash for your car, it's probably not a car that, that you can afford. And also, you know, taking something like taking out equity in your home for vanity projects or doing a, an upgrade uh, that you really don't need or in taking out equity in your home is, is taking debt, is taking on debt, right? You've taken the piece of the home that you own. And you've put a you've put a loan against that piece. We think debt is only should only be taken on in emergencies and when it can be used to to as leverage to build wealth or skills. Yes, another big one for the debt is the zero money. I mean, the zero interest furniture. How many people are victim for of that? I mean, that's yeah. a very common one. You know, you need furniture and they're offering zero money down zero interest for two years but by the time you get to the paying it off you need to you need new furniture or you think you need new furniture you want new furniture so same goes for like the electronics and uh, the appliance companies and and all Mm -hmm. of that yeah they do a good job of um of getting people to buy things that they can't afford so we want to we want to not do that um number five ignore the joneses so don't buy things to impress others and be mindful about committing to large asset purchases like homes and cars. You also shouldn't be impressed when you see others driving overpriced luxury cars and living in houses that are way too big and expensive. And when buying a home, don't let how much money the bank will give you guide your decision. Put at least 20% down 
use 15 year mortgages when viable and have your own ideas about how much your how much of your income should go towards housing expenses the best car is a paid off one you aren't what you drive and if you have to take out a loan that's longer than two or three years to make it affordable then you can't afford it and um, one of my favorite books is uh, the millionaire next door and there's a fact and there's a kind of a fun fact in that book that says that 80 percent of luxury cars are bought by non-millionaires so it kind of gives you an idea of how what the perception is of millionaires and what the reality is of millionaires. And most millionaires, they're not the ones that buy the expensive homes and the, and cars they're, they, For instance, I'm not, I'm def, definitely not a millionaire, but I, I think uh, David shares this value is that we try to, when we buy a car, we try to stay in kind of the $10,000 range and, and pay cash. So I can, speak for myself specifically that I hate car loans. I hate having that paying off that loan. We make it a practice of never, of not having car loans. And before we do buy a car, we save the money that we need to, to buy the car and pay cash. So that that's something that we advocate. I have yeah. no car loans and uh, I do have a 15 year mortgage, which Perfect. I'd like, I'd like to get rid of, but I still, you know, well, that's great. And sometimes we uh, what I have done is um, I for some more flexibility is do a thirty year mortgage but pay but amor- but pay the payment to pay it off in fifteen years nice. and what that, uh, what it does is it gives you uh, the flexibility so that if there's a cha- major change in your life that you can't afford the fifteen year payment for whatever reason you always have the option to pay the actual thirty year payment so if you're disciplined enough that can be that can be good. Um, obviously 15 year mortgages have a lower interest rate, but things change in people's lives. And, and I've used that strategy with some people and, and that's worked well. That's actually what I do. So I have, I have a mortgage this 30 year, I pay more to it depending on, you know, cash flow month to month and everything. So, all right. Number six, don't take unnecessary risks. So be patient. You know, building wealth, it takes, takes a while. Uh, most millionaires, uh, don't get rich overnight. Ignore the get rich quick schemes and things that seem too good to be true. And we call it swinging for the fences. It creates unnecessary volatility in our lives that can lead to financial setbacks that can take years to bounce back from. You invest in a very high risk investment and you lose it all. Um, depending on you know how much of your wealth went to that, you, it could set you back years. The reality of the situation is, is if you do the right things, you have a plan, you know where you want to go, it's not necessary to take these huge risks. And so we you know, stay away from the get rich quick schemes. And if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. You know, just be disciplined. And we, we call it, in, you, know, you should invest rather than speculate. So like investments like limited partnerships, leveraged ETFs, currency trading, options, venture capital, IPOs, they can have a place for a portion, a small portion of your wealth, uh, potentially once, once you've got everything else taken care of, but do definitely don't advocate uh, these type of investment, high risk investments for uh, a large majority of our clients. And personally, I do not take part in these. Um, these type of investments either. You know, alternatively, you know, keep things simple, focus on the variables in your control. There's no need to time the market. There's no need to predict the future. That's the right way. Manage your risk, do the things over a long period of time that are going to reach your goals and forget about all those 
just get rid of clicks. Yeah, take take what the market gives you. Uh, now, I have a very high risk tolerance, so I'm not like normal people, but I would suggest everyone takes their first their first fifty grand and puts it into a low cost index fund. I mean, that's uh, it's common knowledge to a lot of us as far as investment advisors and people people in the uh, financial world but you see it even all too many times where people just get way risky with their first 20 grand of savings and then they're chasing because they're down half of it and then they have nothing after a while so I've taken a lot of big risks and I've gotten my hat handed to me meaning I've lost a lot so it's not smart to I'd say 10% once you get past 50 grand you could you could play with 10 10% and you know buy your options or and you're you saying know, you're saying 10% 10% of your net total worth. investments you yeah know. or yeah if you're you know if you got 100,000 play with 10 10,000 of it don't get don't get risky with the other stuff that's your rock your bedrock yeah. So number seven is set a high premium on liquidity. So what liquidity is, is your ability to either sell something quickly and access the money from that investment. And so, and the reason why we say this is your life is constantly changing. You're going to evolve. Your priorities are going to change your job. You're going to have job changes. You're going to have kids. You're going to enter new relationships. You're going to experience negative events. You're going to have, you know, setbacks, you know, you got to remember that goals are just guesses. And when it comes to financial decisions, make choices with that in mind. Make choices with the, the idea that your goals are going to change and, you know, life's going to happen. And, you know, you've got these products like permanent life insurance or annuities, or there's a lot of people that invest in, um, in investment real estate. And these, pro- these, these investments make it very difficult to access your money if any, if, if you needed to change course um, because of the penalties or at least the frictional costs that it would take to get out of these investments. You know, we're not saying that these types of investments can't be part of your plan, but make sure that you are being compensated properly for locking up your money and you have enough dry powder elsewhere to weather the inevitable changes in your life and plan. So, and we're really careful about this with, with planning, we value liquidity probably higher than a lot of financial advisors. We, we plan for change. We plan for setbacks. Um, we know that life doesn't go up in a straight line and we want to prepare and maybe, maybe the, the return is not going to be as good on a certain investment or the fact that you're, you're putting yourself in a position to not have to, to sell out of that investment at a much lower price than you would have to or get out of that permanent insurance product because um, you, you needed to access the money for and take a huge surrender charge, that has a lot of value for us. So when we're evaluating our investment recommendations and how should allocate their, their, their dollars, this is a, big, this is a big, part, big thing for us. Number eight, have the proper insurance. Reaching your goals isn't just about playing offense. It's about defense too. Experiencing a major loss without insurance or being underinsured can wipe you out. Carry disability and life insurance. And don't be cheap about property and casualty and health coverages. 
Also have great awareness about other major risk in your life and insure them when appropriate. You know, it's not about just playing offense. It's not about how to invest, how to, you know, take your dollars and, 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 and make them grow. It's about protecting what you have. It's about, it's about playing defense. Be a shame if you did all the right things, you accumulated, you know, all this wealth, and then you were put in a position where you had a major loss because you got, you may have a major health event or, you know, you became disabled or you lost somebody that, that you relied on their income. Insurance is important. Yeah, I agree with that. The insurance part of your plan has to be there. Life insurance. I mean, if you're planning with the end in mind, you have to protect your significant uh, family members and if you're not there to provide the income, then you got to have uh, something in place that will. Definitely. So number nine, use windfalls wisely. If you're clear about the life you want to create, coming into large sums of money is viewed as an opportunity to fast forward towards your goals. Beware of impulsives. I've seen a lot of people rationalize that expensive vacation or redoing you know, the perfect, the kitchen that's perfectly fine, but you know, you've got, you've came into some money and, and you, you know, you want the nicer kitchen after receiving a windfall. You know, we'd like to see just be a fast forward of towards your goals. So, you know, pay off your debts, fund goals that you've already set, make purchases that add real value and happiness to your life. And just don't, don't be impulsive. You should already be living the life that you want and windfalls should be just a bonus. It's just an opportunity to get closer to where you want to go. It's not an opportunity to just, you know, live high on the hog for a short period of time. So we, you know, we're really careful about inheritances and, and all of those things. We want to invest those, those windfalls wisely. Number 10, pick the right career. So one of the worst in decisions you can make in life is choose a career that doesn't map to your strengths. It's very difficult to build wealth and have success in your career when you're doing something that you don't like or aren't good at. And here, self-awareness is really the key to making the right career choices. You've got to know who you are, what you're good at, what you like, and you know we're all diff- different. So figure out your gifts and find a way to monetize them. And don't settle in your career because even if you have to make a decision that compromises you in some way in the short term, you are going to be vastly better off putting yourself in a situation where you can succeed, where you're adding value and you're going to benefit via higher income over the long term. The perfect example of this is there's a lot of people right now that, you know, want like the idea of being entrepreneurs. So they're, you know, they're starting businesses, but they don't really have the skill set to, to weather the storm and, you know, they're good at the ideas part, but they, they're not good at the execution, but maybe they have the skill set to be, you know, a really good number two, three, four person at a firm, but they sort of force themselves into a role that, that they're not going to be successful at. You know, it's an example of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole this takes work because not a whole, you know, it's, it's difficult to self audit and really dig into what you're good at and what you're not. And it's not shameful to be bad at it's to have weaknesses, but it is 
a little bit shameful is to just live in a job or do something that you're not good at that's going to compromise your ability to have to have happiness in your life because um, you're never going to have the success that's necessary to to reach your goals. So uh, pick pick the right career. Number eleven, keep growing and learning. You can also improve your situation by doing things to increase your earning power. You know, make a commitment to keep expanding your knowledge. Education is the prime driver of your life lifetime income. So, you know, spend time learning about things that will make you better at work, make work more enjoyable, and, or other topics that, that you're passionate about. Yeah, I think reading a, reading a book instead of watching a television program is key here. Not enough people read books, but if you read three books in any subject, you're going to know more than 99% of people out there. You're going to be a, uh, I don't want to say guru because that's a silly word, but you're going to be a master in that subject compared to most people. Yeah, I agree. And and then the other part is, is you know, be intentional with it um, because you time is an asset. So, you know, not only learn, but learn the right things. The planning process, I think, or at least our planning process, we try to look at what do you want to accomplish in your career and what are the things that are going to be the, the drivers in improving income and, and what do you need to learn to make yourself more valuable in your work situation or more valuable in your business and those type of things. So it's not quantity, it's quality. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Number 12 is ignore the noise. Don't give your attention to things that don't deserve it. Like I said before, time is the asset. Make sure to focus on things that are in line with your values and goals and are productive in moving you towards the life you're trying to create. But in general, we shouldn't care about what others are doing or saying. I, I know that's easy to say, but hard to do. But having a clear understanding of who you are and where you want to go, it makes the actions and opinions of others meaningless. I mean, this is, I think, an undervalued aspect of planning and and building that self-awareness is you're not so worried about what everybody else is doing because you know yourself, you know where you want to go. So other people's opinions don't necessarily matter they, and they matter. Certainly they matter less. So ignore the noise. It's, it's very important. I mean, this, this improves your quality of life too, because if you're, if you're always thinking about what other people are saying or doing, that can create a lot of stress, right? Because not all those opinions are going to be positive. There's a lot of negative people out there. Um, and I think by doing this, you can, you can protect yourself against some of that negativity and really just have that laser focus on what's important to you. Number 13, and this is the last one, is it's a journey. So there are going to be setbacks. You're going to fall back into bad habits, be impulsive from time to time, and do things that aren't in the best interest of reaching your goals. It's okay, and it's part of the process. Most of your success is going to be determined by your ability to get refocused and course correct when things don't go as planned. Our planning process is, is an evolution. It's not a static document that we give you. We know that, that your life is going to change. We know that you're human and that you're going to have setbacks. We know that you're human and you're going to be emotional. And the people that have success, I think, understand that about themselves. And that's why a relationship 
with a firm like ours is so valuable is we can be that coach or that third party that comes in and gives you permission to not be perfect all the time, but also get you refocused back on what you want to accomplish and get you back to those, you know, your internal motivations and learn from that mistake rather than sit in it for a long period of time and waste that time feeling like you failed or, or, or what have you. So this is a big part of it is try your best, but give yourself permission to, to go off course. Um, because I think, you know, we're all human. And so that's important. Yeah. I've been, I've been off course probably more than the average person. (laughs) (laughs) So take it from me. It's, it's okay. And, and you know what, sometimes that's what you need get specific about where you want to be or where you want to go in your future endeavors or your future financial life. Plan part of it is important. The understanding of your value system and the life you want to live is very important because when you're in those moments where you feel like made a mistake, you've, you've done something that's counter to your expectation of yourself the way you're going to get out of that the, the the quickest is by refocusing on on the plan, refocusing on the why behind why you're doing what you're doing, and um, that's a very important part of the financial plan is providing that. Yeah, and sometimes your why changes, which changes your plan. But being able to accept that and move forward is why it's planning and not a stagnant plan that just sits there. Yep, definitely. All right. Well, that those are the 13, what we call code of behaviors. And I hope you, you got an idea of, of what we're all about. This isn't going to resonate with everybody. We know this because we've talked to a lot of people that it would it doesn't resonate with. But it's important because if we can give you an idea of who we are and our, you know, our value system, then we're not wasting your time and you're not wasting our time um, because it's very clear that it either isn't or is a good fit. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can always email us at support at henfruit.com. We're on Twitter at henfruitfp. And we're also on Facebook at facebook.com backslash henfruitfp. Uh, We appreciate the follow. So if you have any questions, please reach out. Um, Otherwise, I think that's all we had today. David, do you have anything else? Yeah, just... If you have anything you'd like us to talk about on the show, uh, put those in the comments or in the um, email and we'll try and get a show out or we'll try and get that into the show or work it in. So any kind of feedback is always welcome. Definitely. All right. Thank you for joining us and we will talk to you next week. Take care. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.